I'm Aaron, that's Will. We are bringing you the passion, tradition and drama of college football to listeners down under. Because we fucking love college football. They hand it off to Johnson, Boise State has won the Tostitos Fiesta Bowl. Can you believe it? Well, he has trouble with the snap and the ball is free. It's picked up by Michigan State's Jalen Watts Jackson and he scores on the last play of the game. Unbelievable. Hello. Again and welcome to another episode of College Football Down Under. My name is Aaron Kemp, and as always, I am joined by Will. I can't party anymore. Murden, how's it going today, Will? Yes, you are. It's going all right. It's going all right. Yeah, just all right. Yeah, plotting through. I feel like we're running out of steam here a little bit. Uh, college football, you know, what do we hit here? Week eleven. Uh, things are starting to feel their way out, but we haven't hit the big rivalry games yet. Our teams are both done and dusted. We'll make it, but just hitting a bit of a brick wall here. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. It's becoming that grind now, isn't it? It is. Really I, needing to work for this. And, and it, yeah, it doesn't help that both of our teams have just pissed away chances this year. Uh, I don't know if we ever had a chance. Okay, but yeah, yeah, we've had chances. We have not. <laughs> uh, we've, had, we've now got a chance to fire Mark Richt, but hey. All right, today, obviously, we're going to hit through those uh, key takeaways from week 11 action game reviews Aussies in action they were in the thick of things again this week our bold predictions which went well for some and uh, on the punt with Will which perhaps didn't go so well again but there must be some light at the end of the tunnel at some stage surely hopefully anyway key takeaways for this week Will what are your thoughts on week 11 college football Ah, uh, the toys are out the cop for me, mate. Oh, you've mailed it in here, haven't you? Uh, yeah, I'm just not happy. Like, I'm, I'm really disappointed with how things have been going. To to drop Bedlam as Oklahoma State fan was super disappointing. For things to have gone as poorly as they have on the punt this year, for Alabama to be running away with this season, I'm well and truly having a bit of a temper tantrum over here. So you're going to have to lift me up because I'm just not happy. Grow up, dude. Grow up. No, I refuse to do that too. It's it's not that bad. Things aren't that bad. All right, I will take it in a more mature and adult direction here. Firstly, not like it was a non-crazy week for the first time in a few. None of those big upsets, which was kind of nice, I suppose. Some might say boring. Yeah, I mean, it was. it's been an exhausting last month though. So in a way, it was kind of nice to just get some semblance of... I would say normality, but normal for this season has been all those upsets. So it has been nice to maybe have a a bit of just a calming influence over over no, a week of culture. we want carnage. You want carnage? All right. Well, I'm sure there's still more to come. I guess that leads into my next one, and I think it's the calm before the storm. Oh, okay. I think things are going to get hectic. I've had a look into next week. There's some, some really good matchups, so... Uh, I think West Virginia playing Oklahoma State is a dangerous one for them because you just don't know what you're going to get. Uh, Ohio State going to Maryland, uh, whilst they're big favourites there, I, I don't know, you saw Maryland get over Texas, so wouldn't shock me there. I think Syracuse and Notre Dame is going to be a good one. Syracuse have shown that they're a, a very good football team this year, so... This Camp. is a recap show. Just sort of put that out I, there. I know, but I'm just saying, looking looking at this, uh, Iowa State, Texas, Cincinnati, UCF 
is a big one. That's a chance for them to get a decent win and potentially move up the rankings. But there is also peak SEC BS next week. <laughs> Can't wait for it. Oh my god! This is the week before the rivalries where oh yeah yeah you're just course. like come on. So there no none of the starters will play. So Bama's playing the powerhouse that is the Citadel. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what are they like a hundred points favorites in yeah. there. <laughs> Florida's playing the uh, Idaho Vandals. The potato elite capital of the world. Yeah, and possibly one of the worst teams in uh, Division One foot in FBS football. Have they gone four and six this year? That, I mean, yeah, historically not going so well though. Correct. Uh, Kentucky have got Middle Tennessee, which is probably uh, the most respectable of these, which yeah. is saying something. Auburn play Liberty. Yeah, the Flames. Uh, Don't know Georgia, how Georgia are going up against the Minutemen. Yeah, where's that as well? That'd be in Athens. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> And LSU have the powerhouse one and ten rice out. <laughs> so I guess I say calm before the storm, except in the SEC where they're just taking the piss and having the week off. Having said that, all those teams are gonna, all those teams that they're playing will all make a fair bit of money off them playing those games and getting the crap kicked out. Of I them. don't care. I'm not gonna make any money betting on that because who knows if they're gonna win by seventy or eighty points. Well they'll probably no but they'll probably bench all their starters in preparation and for next still week. win by seventy or eighty yeah. points. There is that. But like come on. Down the stretch here, all the other conferences have got some ripping games going on. That's garbage. Alright. And on that I'll talk about the Big Twelve I suppose and Talk about that last week you said it is the most interesting and entertaining conference and that was 100% proved correct again this week. So well done. You've got some prediction, right, Will? So that's good. I've done it. (laughs) You've done it. I know what I'm talking about. Hey. Uh, There's just one other gripe that I have before I know you're going to get into some heavy hitting news around the uh, Zach Smith story at Ohio State. Uh, But I hate when American commentators... Call it the rugby-style kick. He's a rugby-style kicker. And effectively, all it is, is if you don't take the American-style one-step, two-step punt, every other kick, it doesn't matter what the kick is, it's rugby-style. And none of them are rugby-style. Just putting that out there. I know that's what they call it. Anytime they roll the punter one way or the other, they think that's rugby-style. It's not. That's how you kick an AFL footy. It doesn't. That's not how they kick it in rugby, isn't it? I don't know. I don't watch enough. Well, rugby, they rugby. hold it real like the the no like the nose runs real like Jim Stein style, like really pointed straight up to the sky. All I know is forty twenty. <laughs> I like that. But it's just, it's not rugby. I don't know what they call it instead, but they've got it that if it's not an American style pump, then it must be rugby it style. It should be an arsy type. Yeah. Thing. Well, I don't know. Um. Yeah. Kind of. Maybe that's where I'm going with it. All right. Talk to me about. Zach Smith, he is, of course, the former wide receivers coach at Ohio State that at the start of the year was caught or it came out via Brett McMurphy was the guy to break the story that he was abusing his wife and as a result was uh, let go of. This wasn't the first time that claim had happened and he yeah. and, and the know, big, been the swept whole, under the table. The and whole issue was that Urban Meyer had known about this and had continued to keep him on his staff. So that was why it got so much media attention. Uh, and in the end, Urban kept his job and Zach Smith's, I don't Did know, not. waiting table somewhere now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so 
Dude's obviously been through a rough patch this year and I think has legit cracked today. <laughs> has, like, I shouldn't a, be laughing at this. But. No, it is always fun to see someone's like personal crisis play out on a like really open forum. Well, having said that, he took it there himself. He didn't... Yeah, he's he in the media spotlight. He's a vodka. <laughs> well, wait, talk us through it. So he's got to his Twitter account, uh, at Coach Zach Smith, which probably not accurate anymore (laughs) probably not allowed to coach but he's gone out and for whatever reason has just gone after tom herman it looks like tom herman's the one that he is going after so tom herman was the offensive coordinator at ohio state when zach smith was there and and he actually they were there for the national championship they were the same stuff they would have been quite close working closely together not anymore And he, like, in a whole tirade of tweets, is just coming out calling him a bitch and tweeting at his wife uh, all these stories about how he's cheated on his wife and how he's such a dirtbag. He posted these big, long text messages that he'd sent to Tom Herman about how much of a bitch he is and that, you know, he's going to expose him and rah, rah, rah. And I just love Tom Herman's response. So he's come at him and it's like all this stuff because I'm ready to expose the fucking cowardly bitch you are. Tom Herman? Okay, cool. Hook him. (laughs) That's brilliant. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it doesn't hold... If he had any credibility left and any dignity left, it's now gone. I'm not a big one for trawling Twitter to look for stories, but like, is there any chance that this isn't valid? Is this potentially not him or it looks pretty genuine? I don't really know. I mean, him. it's coming from his account. So unless someone else has got a hold of that and having a bit of fun, it looks like a dude's just straight having a meltdown. Yeah. <laughs> um, is there any chance that this brings Urban Meyer back into the spotlight on this? Because this sort of just disappeared when Zach Smith was let go of. Uh, Urban Meyer kind of just like slunk back into the shadows. Is there any chance that anything comes about this for him again? Or? No, as I told you at the time, all that Urban needs to do is keep winning and this will be well and truly in the rearview mirror. When they drop that game, all of a sudden Urban's got health issues now that he needs to worry about <laughs> and that's why he's getting it. There's no talk about this anymore. It's done. Just because it's hitting here doesn't mean anything, I don't think. Okay, interesting to look at. All right, let's have a look at Bring Out Your Dead. This could be a particularly short segment today. Uh, are there any teams in college football that we can emphatically rule the line through as a result of their performances on the weekend? I don't think so. I do not think so. I think we were down to nine. So we had Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Michigan, Georgia, Oklahoma, Washington State, West Virginia. And I don't know what order that is. It's not alphabetical. It's close. (laughs) If I didn't know where G went in the alphabet. And there's an O up there. But anyways, I don't think you can rule any of them out this week. No. I think uh, Washington State have jumped Ohio State on the back of their victory at Colorado, pushing Ohio State down as the lowest team at nine. But if they beat Michigan, I think they're right up in the conversation again. I mean, they have that one loss, and I, I don't know. I think there's enough opportunity for teams up the top to lose that kind of brings enough of these guys in the conversation at least. Yep, can't disagree. I don't think we need to get into too many hypotheticals with that. I mean, Ohio State haven't looked pretty just recently, but that doesn't 
categorically rule them out just yet. And so UCF's uh, big time matchup against Cincinnati this week. Both nine and no, sorry, it's UCF undefeated. Cincinnati nine and one. Yep. I still don't think it's going to count for much. Unfortunately, no. it's just Cincinnati aren't ranked. If they are undefeated as well, and maybe they would even be looking at like a top fifteen themselves, or certainly a top twenty if they are undefeated. Even then, even if they were undefeated, yeah, I, I know it's enough, they it needed just... to be against one of these teams. There yeah, at the yeah, moment. yeah. So a little bit disappointing for them. Okay, moving right along, let's get into some game reviews for week eleven. Where do you want to start, Will? What conference would you like to dive into? Why don't we start? Do we want to put you out? Do you want to put you out of your misery early, like rip that Band-Aid off clean, or do no, you want to delay kind of that? Delay that. Okay, yeah. so we'll avoid the Big Twelve. Then let's go into the Big Ten. Number ten, Ohio State played at East Lansing and played number eighteen, Michigan State, and this was a boring game. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was nine six at three quarter time before a couple of horrible miscues from the Spartan offense, uh, more so than the Buckeye defense, I think. It included a fumble in an end zone on a jet motion that the ball was snapped right as the guy in motion was passing between the quarterback and the center. So the ball hits him, falls on the ground. Um, Draymond Jones falls on the ball, touchdown Ohio State. And then uh, there was a speed option that they got the pitch wrong, went backwards, and another turnover for for Ohio State, and that was sort of enough for them to pull away and win this one, twenty six to six. There was one probably standout on the field, and that is, you know, how much we love talking punting. Drew uh, Drew Chrisman, who landed five consecutive punts inside the Michigan State ten yard line, which was really really impressive. Uh, we know. Michigan State can't move the ball very well. As a result, on fourth down, rather than actually punting it from inside their own end zone, they just snapped it straight over the punter's head uh, and took the safety as opposed to uh, trying to punt that ball away. I mean, that's what happens when you get enough chances. 17 punts on the day. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, look over at the Texas-Texas Tech game. Four. Well, yeah, I Different mean... brand of football. Yeah, it is. I think there's still... For me, I don't think it really says too much about either of these two teams. Although, you know, Michigan State can't move the ball. We knew that already. Ohio State, though, all of a sudden have got questions on both ends. Um, Dwayne Haskins missed a couple of throws that he just threw in the dirt to guys that were actually open. Uh, the offense, although Mike Weber certainly ran the ball fractionally better, we know that we said they had struggles running the ball, but they actually had a little bit more success this week, which was good. They were, you know, passable in that area, but the you know this offense is still not looking quite right, uh, and we know that they've got some susceptibility on the defensive side of the ball as well. Um, this Michigan Ohio State game could be this could get nasty if Ohio State rock up playing like this. I think you're talking them down a little bit too much here, mate. I think you're underestimating Michigan State at home. I mean, they're a, a ranked side this year who can't while, score points. Whilst have been a bit all over the shop, uh, are not bad. Like they're a decent defensive unit playing at home. They would be favourite against most teams. They come up against and Ohio State walked away with a 20 point win so if you had said that at the start of the year I'm sure Ohio State would be happy with that yeah I mean I I guess but it wasn't like we're getting to the time of the year and we'll probably talk about this one with the Clemson game as well in that uh, you know some teams can 
play pretty and 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 that's okay, or, or play ugly and win, and that's not looked at that negatively. Ohio State has had three weeks of looking pretty ugly. They need something. They need to start looking a little bit better here, and it's getting to crunch time for them. It's not clicking for them at the moment. Um, and when you know Brian Lewerke again goes eleven for twenty-eight, you know they're doing enough defensively, but. It just didn't. It's something's just not quite working for them. I at don't the know. Moment. I don't think they need to look pretty. They just need to win that Michigan game. That's all that has to happen. So they've got an opportunity this week to continue to move things along, maybe tidy it up a little bit and make it pretty for you. But all they're worried about is winning that football game and making sure they get there unscathed next week too. Yeah, well, if they rock up playing like that, I think they're in a bit of trouble. Okay, across to the SEC, number 16, Mississippi State at number one, Alabama. Uh, and the Tide win this one 24 to nothing. It is the first time that Alabama have shut up, shut up, shut out, well, and shut up probably, uh, back-to-back games against top 25 teams. Uh, in their history, which is a pretty impressive performance over the last couple of weeks. A bit of a throwback game for Alabama. Tua did a good job of handing the ball off, uh, mainly to Josh Jacobs, but the Tide ran the ball 45 times, and, and you know, Tua Tagovailoa was effective passing the ball, but it certainly was one of those throwback games where Alabama's defense and the running game really got going. It was definitely Tua's quietest game this year, though. Not nearly as prolific as he has been. So that's interesting to see. And we thought he was running away with the Heisman. I'm not sure that one's quite done yet. Nah, I, I don't think so either. I, I While I think there's two right out in front in that Heisman race, uh, you know, there is still not questions. I think we can all agree that Alabama is very, very good. But yeah, Tua hasn't looked quite himself, and we could take the nagging injury angle yeah, if we he wanted a to. Bit yeah, well, I, I don't even know if it's taking away from him. He's been exceptional. It's just that there's a little fast dude at Oklahoma who is just incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts on Alabama as being this superpower, unbeatable team? I know you said last week you were like, oh, I reckon they can be beaten. Yeah, I still think that they are. I mean, I still think this is their season to lose. Like, I think they are probably going into the championship game double-digit favourites against whoever they come up against. In the national championship game? Yeah. Or the, okay. Yeah. Uh, I think that if it's Clemson or Michigan, that there is a chance for those two teams. Now, we can talk about this one kind of all we want, and that the LSU game was obviously emphatic, but a 24 nothing win, Mississippi State's defense is very, very good. They've got a talented defensive line, uh, and that offense is just slowing a fraction, I think, for Alabama. And if you're going to play Clemson or Michigan with another team, both teams with very, very good defense and very, very good defensive lines, you're going to have to score more than 24 points, probably even score more than 29 points. Yeah, but they're 21 up at the half. They know they've got pretty much a bye week coming ahead. They'd well and truly put it away. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like there's a bit of a chink in the armour for Alabama, and it is the most minuscule chink. I'm not saying that you know that they are going to go and get beaten by anyone else outside of that national championship game, but I now all of a sudden do believe that Clemson or Michigan could actually do that. All right, let's move along to the ACC. 
game day visited Chestnut Hill, where number two Clemson took on number 17 Boston College. What were your thoughts on uh, the the Clemson victory, which was reasonably a bit of a slow start, but reasonably convincing in the end? Those guys in the desert really know what they're doing. They do. That's bang on where the line was, at least at, at one point anyway. So, yeah, I mean, Clemson had a job to do. Always tough uh, when it's a home game day that you're up against, and they got it done. Comfortable enough. It's good to see Trevor Lawrence getting to sling the ball around a bit more. So he had 40 passes, which I think is a career high for him at this level. Uh, did throw the pick, but Boston, I think, are under, underrated defensively. They've been pretty solid this year, so... Clemson did what they needed to do. Boston College were always going to struggle because they rely on A.J. Dillon as their centerpiece. And when you're coming up against an NFL front, you're going to struggle. Yeah, and not only that, Anthony Brown, who is the quarterback who I was actually pretty impressed with early in the season, but he got knocked out of the game on the first series. E.J. Perry had to come in. And, you know, against that defensive front, I don't think it really matters who is at playing the quarterback position, but when you've got a guy that's pretty green... Uh, and hasn't played that much, and he's not your starter at the quarterback position. It's going to make it really, really hard for your offense in general. And Boston College only managed to put up 130, sorry, 113 yards of total offense. And like you said, AJ Dillon got completely shut down. They averaged 0.3 yards per rushing attempt. That's not great. Did it's not going to get you far? <laughs> no. So after four downs, they would have got just over a yard. They did uh, manage to keep uh, Travis Etienne out of the uh, end zone three times. Yeah, they did. Didn't which... didn't score at all, which is crazy for him because he's just been having a go at will, really. Uh, mm. But he still did manage a health, healthy 7.1 per carry. Which so is good, yeah. Still a good game, a little bit of a lighter load for him. And they, they obviously saw a matchup that they liked where they were going to throw the ball around a yeah, bit Yes, so Amari Rogers made some really big plays at wide receiver for them. And that kind of is a good segue in, in, in that, I think, a couple of things. Clemson had just been dominating teams in the last two weeks. And this is probably a game where I can say, yeah, they win and just get through it and that's okay. Ohio State, on the other hand, who's looked ugly for the last probably two or three weeks, or not ugly, but not quite there, needs a bigger kind of resounding victory and they don't get it. And those games weren't actually dissimilar in some ways. Having said that, Boston College didn't score on offense. Their only touchdown was on a punt return, uh, which was nearly blocked as well. But I think Clemson are the clear second best team in the country at this point. They're incredibly balanced. They can run the ball, like you said, with Travis Etienne. They can throw it with Trevor Lawrence and those guys on the outside. Uh, And importantly, they can stop the run with their down linemen. They can stop the run, rush the passer with only four. Uh, and they can high, handle those high-power passing games. So really still impressed with Clemson. There's nothing that I've seen that you know changes my mind that they are the team possibly the only team that can really push Alabama at the end of the year. Yep. All right, now we get to dive into the most entertaining conference in college football, the Big 12. Number 17, Texas, went down to Lubbock to take on the Red Raiders. They get out of that one 41-34 in a really, really entertaining game. If you check the box score, it is pretty crazy. Texas Tech had four guys with seven or more receptions. Uh, and both quarterbacks had well over 300 yards. Jet Duffy had over 400 yards, I think, nearly 500 all-purpose. 
Texas were actually up 34-20, and I thought, yeah, this one's kind of done and dusted. Texas is just going to ease their way forwards. But then Tech came back to tie up the score, and Sam Ellinger threw a massive big play in that last 21 seconds. Little Jordan Humphrey comes up really big, makes a contested catch, goes and scores, and that's game over. That dude is legit poor. Yeah, I was banging the... Banging the drum early for Colin Johnson as being this guy. And Lil Jordan Humphrey's done exactly what I thought Colin Johnson would do. Was he out injured? Who's that? Colin Johnson? Uh, I think he did have some issues with injury. Yeah, I think he missed. Because didn't show up on the stat sheet. So that would make sense. But Lil Jordan Humphrey, he ran him lost that at the end there. Yeah, yeah. Went up there, just took that away. I mean, that was a risky ball. Could have been picked off, but he just wasn't having it. No. I'd... What are your thoughts on him at the next level? Is he a legit number one guy? I'm not great at projecting wide receivers. I don't know that he's got the out-and-out speed to do it, but he's got good hands. He's strong. He's tall. He'll go over the middle. Um, He can sort of seem like he does it all. I don't know if his route running's crisp enough. I don't know if his blocking on the edge is crisp enough. Um, He he ticks a lot of boxes. It'll just come down to whether he's got that speed. You, You really need to have that. There's a lot of guys who kind of dominate at the college level uh, who are bigger bodies, but then it doesn't really translate very well for them. Um, if you know, if he can run sub four five, even uh, I think he's definitely gonna have himself a, a long career on Sundays because he, he looks made for it. Yeah, he's a bit of a weapon. All right, so yeah, Texas throw that late touchdown and win that one, forty one to thirty four. All right, as we head to Norman, Oklahoma where the Sooners, 48, beat your Cowboys, 47, in two teams that were not interested in playing defense at all. I think the first six possessions ended in points. There was only one field goal in there as well. Uh, Oklahoma appeared to have the game in control in the second quarter. The Cowboys come back. But, I mean, all we're going to talk about probably is the Matt Amendola missed extra point, although he did miss a field goal as well that was very makeable. Uh, and as a result, uh, we saw a bit of a replay of the West Virginia-Texas game last week where there was no doubt that when when they'd scored that touchdown, they were going for two. Same thing, Mike Gundy decides to go for two. They roll the quarterback right... Pass falls in complete game over. Yeah, this is the flip side of that gamble, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and this is where, you know, you look look a bit silly when it doesn't come off. But I, I'm still, I stand by it. I was for it when Dana Holgerson did it, and I was for it at the time. I was uh, chatting to a friend, uh, shout out to Hugh out there, uh, who said, what the hell are you doing? Just kick the point. And I said, nah, go for it, go for it. That's what it's all about. It's Big 12 football. Didn't come off, disappointed. It's one of those things. I mean, oh, we're always on the wrong side of these in this game. It was it was a brilliant game to watch. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. But can we just win one? Yeah, I know. Am I asking too much? And that's the thing. If, if Amendola kicks that extra point, it's Oklahoma that have to go for the two-point conversion on their touchdown rather than you. So... Yeah, it's an interesting one. I was really, really impressed with Taylor Cornelius. I thought he had a fantastic game at quarterback for your Cowboys. Tylen Wallace and Tyron Johnson on the outside. Gee, they are starting to tick along here. I know Tyron Johnson's a former five-star from LSU. He transferred, and he's got big-time ability. Uh, He was, yeah, really, really fantastic. I just can't stand 
this rolling of the pocket on these two-point conversions. I know the ball was there, but it's literally a one-man route. You are closing off half the field. We see it all the time on fourth and short or you know third and anytime those goal-to-go situations and you've got to have the play from two yards out, you're shutting off half the field and you are asking your quarterback to roll to, and you're condensing it. There's a lot of defenders, a lot of bodies around, and he has to hit that one guy. There was nothing coming from the backside. I I didn't love the play call, and I'm still unsure why coaches, and I know they know far more than I do, but why they continue to do these half rolls on these sh- uh, third and short, fourth and short, goal-to-go situations. Well, I mean, that's a matchup, right? So you've got Tyler Wallace, who's gone for over 220 yards on the day, who is much better than the corner that he's playing against. So if you can get that one out and then get him in the space that you need, you you scheme that up. That makes sense. And he was. He was well and truly open. It was a terrible ball. And, I mean, I like the logic of saying, yeah, I've got my playmaker. He should be in sync with my quarterback. I'm going to make this happen and go for it. Makes sense. Should have should have come off, just wasn't executed well. And they would practice that all the time. That would be a go-to play for them. They would have probably a half dozen drawn up that they know if they need to, this is what it's going to be. That would be one of them. That would be what they felt best about. And that makes sense because they'd been torching them through the air all day. It's just he didn't step up to the moment. And, I mean, super disappointing. You you can't knock him. He's a fifth-year senior. I love that he stuck around with the program, paid his dues, and now he's getting his opportunity. But he's just, he doesn't seem to have that that it factor, that Gardner Minshew. <laughs> the moustache. Yeah. Like he just seems to be like a balding. <laughs> Way too young to be balding. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I just, I still think you're, and I haven't watched enough of him to really, you know, overanalyze the, him as a quarterback, but I just don't know that. I know he can run the ball well. I don't know if him throwing on the move is his best attributes. I haven't seen him do it that much. Whereas if it's Shea Patterson, if it's Baker Mayfield, if it's Kyler Murray, yeah, get those guys on the edge. Make him make a decision. But there was one option there. Yeah, he was, he was half open, but it is a low percentage throw, really. Shouldn't be. If you're practicing that enough, they'd hit that eight or nine times out of ten. And you back that in. Yeah, I, uh, I didn't love it. I think there's some other options. Anyway, so a bit of a disappointing one for your cowpokes. You do seem to find a way to lose these games to Oklahoma, which is disappointing in the Bedlam game. All right, other games from around the country this week. Wake Forest come from behind, score a late touchdown, and beat NC State, who were ranked 14 in the country. They win that one 27-23. Syracuse lay waste to a hapless Louisville team, and that cost Bobby Petrino his job. Uh, And he leaves the Cardinals for the third time in his coaching career. After losing 54 to 23, Pitt make a mess of Virginia Tech 52 to 22, and somehow, somehow Pitt have got one foot in the door of the ACC championship game, and they're going to play Clemson, and they're going to lose by 300 points. But hey, there you go. Uh, Georgia Tech continue to make this an absolutely terrible season for Miami. They win that one 27-21. 
Uh, I actually thought Miami played a little bit better, but when you fumble the ball twice on special teams and give Georgia Tech the ball uh, inside the 20 a couple of times, five false starts. There was also a fourth and seven, which Georgia Tech lined up to go for, which they were never going to do. They challenge you. They Then Miami D-line jumps offside, and then they're at fourth and two, and that's a money down for Georgia Tech. They go and score a touchdown off that. Uh, and, you know, Miami just can't get out of their own way at the moment. Mark Rick's two and eight against Power Five in his last 10. And gee, his butt better be getting hot. And a shout out to Swaggy, who always loves to chat uh, Miami football, but uh, both his and my alcohol consumption has gone up this year as a result of watching them. Notre Dame play without Ian Book, but it makes a little difference as they torch Florida State 42 to 13. Duke wins again, this time over UNC, 42-35. The Tar Heels are now 1-8 and eight on the season. And speaking of guys with hot butts, Larry Fedora must be scorching. Michigan, really disappointed in Michigan this week. They didn't cover that 40-point spread. They win 42-7 over Rutgers, though. Are they good enough to make the championship game? Are they good enough to beat Ohio State first? I, I still like Ohio State in that one, but they've definitely been the better-looking team down the stretch. So I like Ohio State's chances because it's in Columbus. It's an incredibly difficult road game for Michigan to, to go on there. But, man, they're looking good at the moment. They're, uh, they're not in close matchups. They are handling everyone they come up against. Yep. Minnesota, the Golden Gophers, upend Purdue 41-10 to in a frigid game in Minneapolis. So they're going to be ranked? Oh, that just puts a dagger, an absolute dagger in that one. A disappointing loss for the Boilermakers. They were never really in it. Uh, good on Minnesota, though. Really got going. Uh, Ibrahim, I think, was their running back who went bananas. Uh, and Jeff Brom looks like... He could be the number one guy heading to Louisville next season after the firing of Petrino there. So he's an ex-Louisville grad. So oh, so that's that's his alma mater. Yeah, that's the connection uh, that there. That makes that's, sense. That's why he is uh, favoured to take that job, and he's done a good job with that Purdue program, although I don't know that he's quite ready to take over a big program just yet. A 41-10 to 10 loss to Minnesota would indicate that that's probably the case. Wisconsin go down to Penn State 22-10. to Miles Sanders was good for the Nittany Lions, and Chase McSorley was pretty efficient passing the ball. The Lions' defense picked off freshman quarterback Jack Cohn, who struggled for the Badgers without Alex Hornibrook. Uh, where does that leave Penn State? I mean, they're looking at potentially, what are they, 9-3? Uh, they could go 10-3, and three, maybe. I don't know who they've got to finish this season. No one to threatening I don't think but Penn State seems to be off the mark this this year and they've still had a reasonable season yeah I mean off the mark compared to the high expectations they probably had going into it as one of the powerful Big Ten East sides uh, they've got Rutgers and Maryland to finish out so they should win both of those ones that'll get them what nine and three uh, win a bowl game they'll, they'll get a decent bowl game uh, that'd, that'd be a good matchup for, for one of the other ones. Probably in the top 10 at the moment, I'd say. Uh, one of those ones who lose and, and don't get to the playoff will probably end up playing someone like Penn State, and that'd be a good good game. Okay, Adrian Martinez looked the part as Nebraska beat the hell out of Illinois. 
and they win that one 54-35. And you feel like if Nebraska could have started their season a month and a half ago rather than 11 weeks ago, that they'd probably be looking for bowl eligibility this year. It bodes well for their future. I, oh, I really like it. Scott Frost is obviously starting to get things his way, and that's what they brought him in to do. So things yeah. looking good. Martinez has to be a Heisman guy in the future. He's a true freshman, so he's got to be making some Heisman noise in preparation for next well, he's, year. He's going to get those numbers. I mean, he's doing it as a freshman, so if he can keep this up, you're definitely right, especially if Nebraska can come back to re- relevance and win more than four games <laughs> yeah, yeah indiana just get past maryland 34 32 you were thrilled with that one there will uh look like that one and a half point line is on the money again though oh, man they are so good how many times <laughs> do we have to say this <laughs> jesus but no that one was the dagger through my heart uh from the punting front if that uh if maryland had been on the right side of that one would have been a different week i would be a happy man well still not but <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Northwestern are Big Ten West champs and will either face Michigan or Ohio State, depending on that game that they'll play in the shoe in a couple of weeks. Uh, they beat Iowa 14-10 to in a pretty dire, boring game. But Iowa, who were ranked as high as ooh, about 15 or 16, have now dropped three on the bounce. So they are not finishing that strong and really struggling to score many points either, which is a little bit disappointing because they continue to produce a lot of really good offensive linemen. Their defense is always pretty solid. So Iowa, three losses in a row, they'll be looking to rectify that one. Texas A&M beat Old Miss 38-24. to Old Miss are just not very good. Georgia get through a slightly more stubborn Auburn team, 27-10. to Wouldn't say plucky, but stubborn. Tennessee have figured out how to play football. And to Kentucky have completely forgotten. Reverted to Kentucky. Oh, yeah. I don't want to see the wheels fall off for Kentucky, but it really could happen. Uh, They didn't score until late in that one, and they go down 24-7. Missouri beats Vandy, 33-28. Oh, I kind of wanted Vandy to win this one. Kyle Shermer probably outplayed Drew Luck as both quarterbacks had you know, mostly good days. Oh, the Commodores just couldn't finish. They had a number of opportunities in the second half to win but couldn't get it done. And Missouri somehow now bowl eligible after being starting 0-4 in the SEC. So well done to Mizzou. Florida do things really tough against South Carolina. Felipe Franks was getting booed at home uh, in the to start this game and in the first half. And then he led two late touchdown drives, uh, including one where he ran it in himself. And they win that one 35-31. to 31. It is not good when you have to hush your own home crowd. Oh, isn't it? Um, South Carolina continue to play in high-scoring close games as well. So if you're want to follow a team that you got no idea what's going to happen, then apparently Will Muschamp is less boring at South Carolina than he was at Florida. So Yeah, he took what you said earlier in the year to heart, and he's really going after it this year. Yeah, Still not winning any games, but <laughs> playing an interesting one. Yeah. Arkansas give LSU a late scare, uh, but a little too little too late for the Hogs. They go down 24 to 17. LSU still leaving me with some doubts. Not that it matters because I think they're out of the playoff picture now. They are done and dusted. Arizona State 31 down UCLA 28. Eno Benjamin carries the ball 34 times in their win. So well done, Arizona State. And they take control in the Pac-12 South. Utah holds off Oregon 32-25. to 
And that was a strange spike ball at the end of this. I don't know if you saw that. They said there's two seconds on the clock and they line up to spike the ball and the clock hits zero and they say, no, nah, they didn't spike it in time. Maybe his release isn't quick enough. Well, maybe he won't just, go one. I just, but then the interesting thing was the commentators were saying like, oh, well, if there's two seconds on the clock, you know you can't spike it in that time. But if there's three seconds, then you definitely can. And I was thinking that is 100% wrong. You can get the ball from the center to the quarterback and spike it within two seconds. That can happen. So I don't know where this kind of, if there's two seconds, okay. If it's three seconds, you can't. Like There's like a rule on how long it takes to spike a ball. Anyway, uh, Mitch Wisnowski had a punt that was blocked, which gave Oregon the ball at the one-yard line. So although he had a good day, we'll get to him later. He did have a block, which was on a, on a rugby-style kick, which is probably the issue. Stanford smash Oregon State 48-17. USC led 14 to nothing at the half and then lose in embarrassing fashion to Cow. 15 to 14. Another hot butt will be Clay Helton in the world of hot butts. He has got to be on the seat, I would have thought. You can't be losing at home to Cow if you're USA. No, they will not like that. Washington State, a really good win by them, and they do so comfortably against Colorado 31 to 7. West Virginia destroy TCU 47 to 10. Will Greer looks good again. TCU do not, and that was a team that I picked to make the Big 12 championship game. <laughs> Yuck. <laughs> uh, Baylor go down to Iowa State, 28-14. to 14. Iowa State continue to play well on the back of Brock Purdy's really good play. Uh, Matt Campbell, he has got to be moving on next year. Well, he is the number one guy out there. There's always one. I think it was Tom Herman when he was at Houston really running up the score. And... I don't know, there's, there's always someone who's kind of that one that everyone covets, and this year it's definitely going to be Matt Campbell. Who's leaving, though? Of all the big programs, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of guys that are going to USC? be moving on. Well, there's one, but USC probably don't have a great habit of hiring guys that aren't familiar with their program. And that makes sense, because a lot of it's about recruiting there. You want someone from who is a West Coast guy, probably, Yeah. who is a bit flashy, Hollywood style. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it, it doesn't seem like a great fit, but from a pure football standpoint, it makes sense, and that's why I always thought they went wrong not getting Chris Peterson, because maybe he's not that guy, but he's a hell of a football coach. You yeah. can't go wrong with that. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I think we'll, it'll be interesting to see what jobs open up and, and where is available. Yeah, because I think it's going to be a little bit of a quieter one this year on the coaching carousel to finish the season. Kansas State managed to down Kansas in the Governor's Cup 21-17. to uh, Unless you're a fan of one of those two teams, you probably didn't watch it, and I did not either. Number 23, Fresno State lose to Boise 24-17. Bit of a disappointing one for Fresno, although never easy to go to Idaho and play Boise and win up there on that blue field. Uh, but yeah, a bit of a disappointing one for Fresno. Number 12, UCF get past Navy and continue on their winning ways, 35-24. to 24. Temple make things interesting in the, in the American as they handle Houston 59-49. to 49. And Cincinnati do so also as they move to 9-1 and one after beating South Florida 35-23. So those four teams at the top of the American making things really interesting and really entertaining football to watch. We probably haven't watched as much of the American as I would like this year, probably. I watched a little bit of Derek King uh, at Houston. And Temple's slow start, man, I didn't watch them so closely, but they've had respectable seasons, all four of those teams. Yeah, definitely. I think you're right. I think next year we may need to watch even more ball. 
I'll need, <laughs> I'll need to get another screen going <laughs> and uh, make sure we can dial in a little bit more of the American. All right. It is time for Have Yourself a Day. Okay, well, this week I should be leading off with my boy Taylor Cornelius, who did uh, complete 34 of 53 attempts, went over five bills, didn't turn the ball over, uh, and had three touchdown passes. But just make that pass, dude. (laughs) Seriously. Like, you're a legend in Stillwater for the rest of your life if you just hit that one three-yard out. Instead... You're now, like, bald working at a car another dealership. Guy, you're just another guy that played quarterback in a losing Oklahoma State team in Bedlam. Bingo. So, uh, yeah, disappointing, but still hell of a game for him, I suppose. Uh, Jordan Love, uh, quarterback at Utah State, had a huge game. He was 32 of 42 for 491 yards and five touchdowns. Speaking of coaches that will make some money, David Yost is the offensive coordinator at Utah State. I know he spent some time at Oregon but gee, he will be another name that is going to probably get a head coaching gig um, or certainly move on to a, a bigger program. Someone will pay him for yeah, they, they've, to call plays there. They have been consistently putting up points this year, so I, th- I think you're definitely right there. Uh, Ty Gangi at Nevada. Oh, yeah. Had a uh, huge win over Colorado State. He went 28 of 35 for 404 yards and four touchdowns. So that's an incredible day. Uh, Justin McMillan at Tulane uh, had a win only completed 12 of 28 been to Tulane University yeah remember when we went to the hospital went to the hospital (laughs) yeah so you you could get all patched up (laughs) yeah that's good Uh, 12 of 28 for 372 yards he threw less than 50% yeah and went for 372 (laughs) yards and three touchdowns bit going on there oh 12 completions. Just taking shots by the sound of things. <laughs> yeah. I like it. So, uh, yeah, all about that. Maybe I need to start watching a bit more Tulane <laughs> Green, Green Wave, Wave football. <laughs> um, out at Pitt, uh, Quadre Ollison, their yep. running back. Yeah. Uh, he had a good game. 16 carries for 235 yards and three touchdowns. They do run the ball there at Pitt. That's impressive. Trayvon Williams continues his good season at A&M. Uh, he had another 31 carries, but 228 yards. Uh, then the Ryquell Armstead at Temple. Yeah. Another one, 210 yards. Uh, and get this, not one, not two, I'm not even going to, six touchdowns. <laughs> That's insane. That's a lot of touchdowns. That's How's his fantasy score? Oh. That's one to keep an eye on for you fantasy heads out there. Uh, catching the boy ball, it was my boy Tylan Wallace. So he had 10 catches for 220 and two touchdowns and probably dropped two or three easy balls that could have tacked onto that as well. So he's only a sophomore and is just going to keep getting better and better. Uh, expect big things from him next year. Uh, another one at Tulane, uh, the one catching them, Darnell Mooney. He had six catches, so he caught half of the the 12 balls, 217 yards. So it's 36 uh, yards per catch, which is just crazy. Uh, And Antoine Antoine Wesley at Texas Tech, in their loss, he had 171 yards and two touchdowns. And Colby Parkinson, so this is a tight end. 
At Stanford. At Stanford, yeah. correct. Very impressive. Yeah. You know your volleyballers. Yes. <laughs> uh, he had six catches, which is, you know, not bad. 166 yards and four touchdowns. What? As a tight end. I didn't watch that game. Normally just... a red zone threat, you would think. No, deep threat. So, yeah. very impressive. Stanford known for having good uh, tight ends, and he had a massive game. So, there. those are your offensive players of the week. I've got a couple of defensive guys. Kenneth Edison Magruder at Oklahoma State. I'm going back to the well here, but he plays that linebacker position. He's a senior there for the Cowboys. He had 12 tackles, nine solo, which I still think is always impressive. But on top of that, he had two sacks and three tackles for a loss, which is impressive. He was busy, and that's... Kyler Murray is a tough dude to bring down. Yeah, yeah. He is shifty as anything. He's only little, but man, is he fast. Takes short little choppy steps as well. And then he's out. Yeah, yeah. And the... Yeah. Stops on a dime as well. Yeah. Changes direction really fast. And knows how to slide into second as well. Does that a lot. Uh, the other one is Daryl Taylor at Tennessee. Had seven tackles and four sacks wow. in their big win over Kentucky. So Jeremy Pruitt, obviously a defensive guy there in, in his first season of coaching. The Vols has got that defense starting to come on a fraction, which is pretty good for the guys in, at Rocky Top. All right, the Aussies in action will take us through their big days. Okay, here we go. So, my boy, making his move. I've been banging the drum for a while. Here it is. His foot is flat down now. I don't care about what trash you're going to talk about him. I'm not going to talk trash. I'm just saying he had a block pump. Well... Imagine if he didn't. That one probably would have gone for 80. <laughs> Had a huge day. He's now leading all Aussies. Mitch Wisnowski is up into uh, four in the nation. Oh, and wow. He is climbing, and this is back on the back of a monster performance this week. So he had the four kicks, average of 57.3. We're talking NFL numbers here, and I fully expect him to be playing football on Sundays. Had a long of 68, so huge day for him. Uh, Mr. Consistent, Mr. Reliable, which is exactly what you want from your punter. James Smith at uh, Cincinnati had another great game. Five punts, average of just under 50 with a long of 64. So, you know, he's got that length too. Ooh, careful. (laughs) Raising. (laughs) This is a family show. (laughs) Uh, Carry on, let's push on here. Max Duffy, seven punts, average of 46 with a long of 56, so he keep, continues to do well. Good length as well there. Ooh, wouldn't have said that. <laughs> Aaron Sipos, a uh, bit of a down day for him. Still uh, still performing really well. Uh, where's he sitting? Let me just bring up these numbers here. Uh, he is in at 12 in the nation, but only had a long of 44 uh, from his six kicks. So I think a lot of uh, directional staff kind of put in bad spot, but just consistent, always dropping it where it needs to be. Uh, and Tyson Dyer continues to do well. So he's uh, really impressed at a smaller program in New Mexico. He had seven punts and an average of 50 with a long... Length, you mean a length... <laughs> A long of 84. What? Yeah. Boom. <laughs> 84? I thought there was thunder out uh, over the weekend. No, it's just a sonic boom making its way uh, over here. That's Bang. a massive thump. 
All right, some other guys with good length as well. Michael Sleep Dalton. I'm getting so much mileage out of this joke. Michael Sleep Dalton had an average of 53 yards for Arizona State, uh, which was good for the Sun Devils. Dane Roy at Houston had an average of 45.5 on his four punts. Unfortunately, the Cougs did come up short. Stephen Coots at Cow averaged 43.5 on his eight and their big win over USC. The smart kids at Berkeley are probably still partying. All right, bold prediction time. We'll get that winning little jingle out again because here I come. I'll let you start though first. I'm, okay. I'm always like uh, really humble in victory. So it's not the case. That is not the case at all. And I, I, I need to go back to the tapes or something. But anyways, uh, <laughs> I had back in my day. So I was predicting a few of the old powerhouse teams to continue to sh- their struggles this year and to lose games. So not too far off it. Uh, didn't nail it, but had USC going down to Cal, that happened. Yeah, well done. That's an upset. I uh, had Florida State losing to Notre Dame, you know, big whoop. <laughs> had Miami losing to Georgia Tech, another one, big whoop. Why didn't you have money on this? Uh, I had Texas to lose to Tech, which was close, but uh, didn't quite come off. And had Florida losing to South Carolina, another one that's tight. I mean, they were down by 17 points in the last quarter. So, missed the mark, and and that's why, you know, I was surprised I didn't have money on it, because wouldn't have made anything. (laughs) But, yeah, not not too bad. Not too bad a pick. All right. What about you? I had picked the time slot, tipped the time slot at 3.30. I picked every 3.30 game. West Virginia beat TCU. That happened. Ohio State over Michigan State. UCF, sorry, to beat Navy. Florida to whoop South Carolina. That certainly didn't happen, but Florida did win. Penn State over Wisconsin. Eastern Michigan beat Akron. Memphis over Tulsa. SMU to beat up UConn. K-State over Kansas. BYU beat UMass. Army over uh, Lafayette. Missouri to beat Vandy. Just A&M over Ole Miss. Nebraska beat up on Illinois. And Indiana by two points over Maryland was enough for me to pick all 15 of those games correctly. And I have got my second bold prediction of the year. You pick 15 games right. Yep. Correct. That's insane. Like, I can't be bothered going back and listening to it and validating that this is all legit. But that's in that's impressive, dude. Thank you. If you want to gamble with me next year... <laughs> Obviously, we need to change the gambling segment. It can't be me. <laughs> All right. Uh, now, let's have a quick look at on the punt. I'm assuming this is going to be quick tonight. Yeah, let's, let's maybe we, for the remainder of the year, we hand it over to you on like a bit of a trial basis. <laughs> okay. And, and see if uh, you can turn things around or at least show a little bit of promise. This is where like... The head coach is being stood down or we're changing the, <laughs> the play. Interim, I'm the yeah. interim gambler. We're changing the play calling duties. To, something's got to change because it ain't happening. So this week I uh, had the strange little pick six games. Which I finally got my head around as well, which yep, is good. Cool. So I really needed four of them to get up. So I, I ended up uh, backing three of them. So I had uh, Tennessee to beat Kentucky, which was good. Yeah, yeah well done. done. Well there. I uh, had Ohio State at the line, which they covered easily. And I had West Virginia to beat TCU, TCU which was an easy one. So got those three. That paid me, I don't know, like three and a half units. But because I wasn't able to get that Maryland one or one of the other upsets in Colorado to beat Washington State or Wisconsin to beat 
Penn State. Uh, I ended up down another 7.6 units this week. So the good news is we haven't lost 30 units. <laughs> the bad news is we're bloody close. <laughs> What are we, where are we at? A negative 29.7 units. <laughs> so, yeah, I think for next week's show, let's hand the play calling over and see if you can do any better because this is just a mess. <laughs> are you... I'm using your account, obviously. I mean, yeah, obviously. <laughs> I just need to find another way to make some more money. Do you go the sure thing? Do we just pick Georgia to beat Liberty or whoever they're playing? Auburn to beat Liberty. Like, Alabama to beat the Citadel. Like to win or to cover or to what are you cover. talking? No, no, to win. To win. Just no, straight you can't it. even get odds on <laughs> Seriously, they will not give you give odds. Mark. I'm just trying to think, What can, can we just need a back and unbeatable here just to get you back in the game? You're in a bit of a rut. No. We've been in ruts together. We need to just I'd, fight our way out of it. Yeah, Fucking swing for the fence. We'll hit like a 10 grand bad boy. I mean, I hope so, but I don't like your chances. I might just pick 15 games again. and well, I wonder that would have paid if I just multied that together. Exactly. A lot. <laughs> like, I don't care if the, the, most of them are favourites. doesn't matter. If you're picking that, a few of them are close. That, that starts to add up. You're talking big bucks there. All right. So maybe it could be on me next week. Now I'm, ner- I'm nervous already. I can feel it. There's a lot of pressure when you've all of a sudden got to do it for for real for the real. Right. Don't worry, the bar's not set all that high. <laughs> all right, we'll try not to tip us over thirty units. That brings us to the end of week eleven review show. Uh, again, as always, make sure you to hit us up on Twitter and on Instagram at College Football Down Under. And when you're over at Twitter, hit up Zach Smith and and follow his stuff. See what he's up to. It should be entertaining. It's really hot and sweaty here tonight, so we are going to wrap it up here. My name's Aaron, that is Will, and we will see you next time.